Welcome to the Industrial Entrepreneur Podcast, where we talk about how to grow an industrial business, make more money, and the many failures and lessons learned along the way. I'm your host, Luke Binden, and I co-own a small manufacturing business. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Everything in life has opportunity cost. And Charlie Munger once said, intelligent people make decisions based on opportunity costs. So today I want to share uh, my journey through life when it comes to discovering opportunity costs with jobs, with money, with running a business, and the little details in between. So my story learning about opportunity costs really starts in the summer before my senior year at Texas A&M. And I had just gone through an internship with a company called Smith and Associates and did really well in the internship, ended up making like 35 grand in revenue, just like cold calling and impressed the you know staff and the higher ups and got a job offer. Well, that job offer was for $40,000 and commission on top of that, which at the time sounded like a lot of money to me with a college uh, guy's budget at the time, I was thinking, you know what? I can make $40,000 go a long way. Of course, I wasn't thinking about taxes. I wasn't thinking about how long it would take to actually ramp up a uh, sales account like that. And I really just did not understand my own value and how much money I should be making. Um, Quickly found that out when I started interviewing that fall at the career fair and started getting job offers for 60 plus um, thousand plus commission and quickly realized that, man, the opportunity cost of me taking that prior job would have really led me down a, um, really led me down a path to earning potential that was so much smaller than if I had taken one of these newer jobs, which I did. I took a job with a company called Innovative IDM out of Dallas, Texas, and was making 60 grand a year plus commission as a sales engineer um, doing like robotics, automation type sales, um, and was making good money. And the opportunity presented itself for me to take over a small business from a family member. Now, at this point, I was only a year into the job that I started in outside sales at Innovative. And this is when I started to take a much longer outlook on my career path and earning potential over time. And I realized that there was a opportunity cost associated with staying in my current job versus being my own boss and taking over a uh, business from someone else and being able to kind of control my own income as time moves on. I realized that there would be a much higher ceiling for me to make money in the long term. Actually, in the short term, it, it turned out I was making less. And what actually ended up happening was the business that I was going to take over Um, That whole situation kind of fell through and I ended up basically starting a whole new business with um, some funding from that family member 
and basically was making a lot less money than I would have if I had stayed in my job at the time. But I knew that long term, if I wanted to make as much money as I wanted to make, then I would have to eventually own my own business one day. And I think a way that has helped me deal with looking at opportunity cost objectively throughout my, I don't know, past five, 10 years is taking a long-term approach when I am trying to decide between one opportunity or another. And you can look at it financially, you can look at it through the lens of, you know, freedom to do whatever you want. Um, There's a lot of different ways to look at it. And up to this point, I've been pretty lucky when deciding between one opportunity versus another. Now, when it comes to actually running a business or being an entrepreneur, I think that opportunity costs can rear its head in a a few different ways. So the first one being education. I feel like the biggest amount of debt that I need to pay down as an entrepreneur is the debt of not knowing what I'll eventually know or just the debt of ignorance. That is the biggest opportunity cost there is choosing, I guess you could say choosing ignorance versus getting educated and understanding exactly what it is you need to do to increase revenue, to increase profits, whatever it is. There is a massive, massive opportunity cost associated with just being educated. And I think practically you can think of this in a way such as, do I spend money on, I don't know, more Google ads, or do I spend money on customer surveys? Well, one might increase my revenue short-term, the Google ads, but if you look at customer surveys, especially if you're just starting out, that information is so valuable in the long-term and you get such outsized returns in the long-term having just fundamental information about your business, your market, and your customers that it really pays off in the end. Another interesting way that opportunity cost is seen is through your financials. So here's a fun one for you. Uh, $100,000 in 2023 has the same purchasing power as $85,000 in 2020. Meaning that if you've got money just sitting in your bank account and your savings, especially over the last three years with inflation going nuts, um, there's an opportunity cost for you to hold liquid cash in your account for as long as you did. I mean, unless you have a super, super high interest rate in your savings account, which doesn't really exist anymore in today's economy, um, then you basically had an opportunity cost just holding cash in your savings and you lost money. And of course, if you go back three years, you had the option to reinvest that money back into your business, maybe to pay dividends and then invest it personally, uh, you know, pay out employees, whatever it may be. But if you were holding that cash, I think the amount that you'd be down is like 14% purchasing power from 2023 to 2020, which is kind of a tough pill to swallow. But my favorite example of where opportunity costs comes in a business is products, services, and customers that you deal with, especially customers. And when you start out and you have smaller number of customers, 
being able to say no to a customer is very, very hard. And it only gets harder and harder as the zeros on the end of the uh, amount that they're willing to pay you start to increase. And specifically, I'm talking about doing you know, side projects, custom projects. Um, for us in Gasquip, we do a lot of like custom uh, kits that'll have custom um, fittings and tools and different things inside of them. But it's very hard to walk the line between okay, do we do this custom uh, project order for, I don't know, say $200,000? Or do we put a bunch of money and time into developing a new standard product that we can sell for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years? Like, where's the break-even point? Where is the amount of money that we're willing to basically say, okay, we're going to do this thing, but it's not really a long-term play. It's more of like a short-term play. Um, who's the customer that we're willing to work with and, you know, increase the relationship that we have with that customer. Cause that's also a opportunity cost of not doing business with a customer in the short term is that you kind of damage the relationship for the long term. So early on, we did a lot of custom projects. We did a lot of yes, man type work and slowly, but surely we're starting to I guess, transition away from that and have more standard products, um, standard sales scenarios, which helps out, helps out a lot um, in other areas of the business. Another way we can see opportunity cost in a business is the amount of time that employees spend on a certain project or a certain task versus another. And I always think of this through the context of evergreen type work. And I love this quote from James Clear. And he says, create something timeless. The more evergreen your work, the longer timeline you have to find success. Meaning that if you go into work today and you work on, I don't know, improving your website that has a pretty good ROI long-term and say, instead of working on your website or working on, you know, developing a new product, you work on reach out to customers or sending emails. Well, that kind of stuff is less impactful over time. Again, it's just like the balance of finding, um, the balance between long-term, long-term and short-term gains. Um, but I love the idea of like evergreen work. So like podcasting is a evergreen work cause it's always going to be around, I mean, at least for like the next 10, 20 years and it doesn't just disappear. And I think a good example is like podcasting versus going on a, a radio show. You can do one interview on a radio show and you know, you might have a thousand listeners at the time listening to your voice and they hear it and then it's basically gone forever versus you go do a podcast interview. Well, that podcast interview gets recorded and then you have the initial batch of listeners that listen, but the podcast show grows over time and there's no cap on how many people could hear your interview um, over time. Same thing with books, same thing with um, things that stick around long-term and, and don't have a cap on um, the certain amount of attention that they can get 
or the certain amount of intrinsic value would be like, oh, I wrote code for an app and that app is now a permanent fixture that can be duplicated with no additional uh, costs associated with it. So it's like thinking long-term evergreen type of content that will survive over time. I think a good litmus test to know that you're spending time on the right things or you're weighing the delicate balance of opportunity costs in the right way is that year over year, your business should start to get easier and easier to operate. Like you have certain assets that compound year over year. It makes things easier, more streamlined, builds revenue, builds attention, and things just start to progressively optimize because you're spending time on the right things. And as entrepreneurs, I think the very last thing to consider for opportunity costs or the way that it manifests is shiny object syndrome, I guess you could call it. I think most entrepreneurs like the idea of creation, like birthing a new idea, a new business, and constantly thinking like, oh, this would be cool, that would be cool. Um, For myself, I definitely have the habit of, I'd say bad habit of like looking at other things and businesses and things I want to buy and do and create instead of like really focusing on growing the business that I already have that's doing well. And we can kind of get into this, I guess, roller coaster of emotions where you have like manic highs and manic lows. Um, and eventually, you know, you might find yourself in a place where you're like, is it time to call it quits on this particular business and chase this other opportunity or whatever? Um, you know, obviously, it really depends on the situation, but I do like Kevin O'Leary's advice is just like general business advice that if you have a startup and you're not making money within 36 months, which is a long time, but within 36 months that he says you should go out and shoot it, (laughs) just kill it and do something else. Um, basically it's just going to suck your time, suck your money. And if you can't make money within 36 months of starting, then it's time to go. And I think, (laughs) I think that applies more to like, tech venture type startups as opposed to like blue collar type service jobs or like manufacturing. I I think that timeline actually is a little bit more compressed for most entrepreneurs who are more like local businesses. Like if you're not making profitable income probably past like two years, then it's probably time to wrap it up and, and look for something else. And also, you know, you always want to keep your ear to the ground and um, be looking out for other opportunities because there is an opportunity cost, no matter what business you're in, for staying in that business and and quote unquote sticking it out. If another opportunity comes by and, you know, you have the opportunity to start a company like Google or whatever, like you're going to leave your job or leave your business or sell it and go on to the better opportunity. So it's always important to not have tunnel vision and also not to have, you know, the uh, shiny object syndrome as we like to call it. And to that same idea, here's my advice. I would say write down all the projects that you're working on currently and then what would be the one thing 
that if you had the courage to eliminate entirely would make all the others easier. Like if you had this side hustle here, that side hustle there. And I said, you got to kill those side hustles. Like if you killed them, how much easier would it be to grow your main business? And you said, if you told me that it would be so much easier then yeah, it's, it's time to kill the side projects, the side hustles and focus on the one that you know is the most profitable and has the best opportunity moving forward. Real quick guys, if you like this type of content, feel free to leave me a review down below. Uh, it really helps reach more people and hopefully spread a message worth spreading. I started this podcast because I wanted to help other entrepreneurs grow their businesses and also find other like-minded people that want to collaborate later on in our careers. So you can find me at LinkedIn at Luke Benden. Thanks for watching. Catch you on the next one. Bye.